Radio Islam family, this episode deals with sensitive subject matter that may not be suitable for younger listeners. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Thank you for tuning in, and if this is your first time joining us, you can keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at. That's iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or Google Play. You will find us at Radio Islam USA. All right, we are joined on the phone by Radio Islam cultural contributor and founder of MBA Muslims, Layla Abdullah Pulos. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum How are you doing today? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm good. Alhamdulillah. Feeling blessed. Yes, so we, we, we have a lot to talk about. And yeah, we actually <laughs> do. And it's not about a book. No, right? <laughs> <laughs> because there's so much that has been going on. Yeah. In just the last few weeks. Yeah. The um the why I didn't report connected to the um the uh, confirmation of Judge uh, Kavanaugh mm-hmm. allegations that have come forth uh, sexual assault allegations from as a matter of fact i think as of this moment i think a third woman has come forward yes so yeah go go ahead yeah yeah it's not surprising at all that's not surprising because uh his first accuser brett kavanaugh the the uh who trump nominated for to become an associate justice of the supreme court uh his first accuser said that he sexually assaulted her in high school mm-hmm. at age 17. Mm-hmm. And so it's not something that happens in a bubble where it's just like, you know, I'm 17 years old, I'm, I'm sexually assaulting someone, and now I'm going to be good for the rest of my life. Uh, invariably, it, it, it forms a uh, predatory behavior. And so I'm not surprised that there are more victims. And these are just the women that are brave enough to come forward and say something. Is Second uh, accuser, uh, Deborah Ramirez, said that while she was at a party, okay, he, I don't know if I can say this on the air, he did something really, really bad. <laughs> he did something really, really badly to her. They, that, 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 that there was an uh, endeavor to get her drunk. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't the only one, and that's one of the things that happened. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what he did. And, and, and with Julie Sletnick, it's even worse. Because there's a pattern of abuse, of sexual abuse and predatory behavior that perpetrators acquire. And so there's always more victims. And so just by virtue of the fact that there's three women alone, it wouldn't be surprising if more came out and more came out. And this is, a, this is one of the issues that always hits society the hardest. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's why you have the why I did not report. Because so many victims are consistently silent because... Society itself has sent a clear message to victims that you will not be believed and you are the one that's going to be interrogated and grilled and placed under judgment and everything like that. And on top of just the trauma of of surviving a sexual assault at varying degrees, Mm -hmm. That's one thing that you have to go get 
a victim, go through as a victim, which is a lifelong thing. But now you also have to decide, am I going to say anything? And what are the consequences? Because society has taught victims that there are definitely consequences. From, the, from very young victims to older victims, there are definitely consequences to saying something and, and, and saying this is what happened to me. And so the whole why it report, that is an example of it. When, when Kavanaugh said, you know, this happened to me when I was 17 years old, the big question was, well, why, why didn't she say something back then? Mm-hmm. Why didn't she report it? And even like the, the, the person in the Oval Office, even question that. And no one, and people by and large do not fully appreciate all the difficult processes, mental and emotional processes that victims have to go through, even to be brave enough to say, this is what happened to me. Let me take okay, a detour. Let, let me take a detour mm-hmm. and, and think about this in terms of the sensitivity that we now have for our servicemen and women when they come back from war. Uh, when they've seen combat and they've seen death, they've seen scenes that most people will will never see, hopefully never see. And there's a sensitivity around that and realizing that we're dealing with uh, human beings that are in need of uh, special attention. They're in need of, of patience. They're in need of healing and that they've endured trauma and that they mm-hmm. may not be able to uh, express exactly what is take, you know, what they've gone through. Or, or or have come to grips with really how they feel. If we can have that type of sensitivity with our servicemen and women, it seems a bit, it seems a bit strange that we don't have this same type of sensitivity when it comes to victims of sexual violence, and mm-hmm. how how uh, the, the survivors have to process what is what has taken place. And realizing that the timeline that seems apparent to the outsider, they're not working on the same timeline, especially especially if they're working in a vacuum, if they're working by themselves where they feel isolated or they don't have a support system. Uh, they don't really know how to process what has taken place. Well, this is really that you for up the military because it is, I, I would argue that there's probably a lot of sensitivity for uh, veterans. Right. When it comes to the most obvious, um, and I don't think the country's sensitive enough, mm-hmm. but you know, I won't argue that. But uh, there, there, there's probably more sensitivity for growing sensitivity for certain types of trauma that that veterans have gone through. But the military is a place where there's a lot of sexual assault. Oh yeah, and those victims don't receive <laughs> nearly. Any 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 sympathy whatsoever, if they could even even have even if they could report, uh, you know, a, a lot of sexual assault in the military goes unreported. Okay, and it's because it's the, the same types of messaging that um, victims receive outside of the military, they receive inside the military very much so. And there's so many power dynamics, and so even when you're talking about sexual assault, it's really really important to even think about in terms of this whole spectrum of sexual assault, you have got to have the women of heart on. You have to have them on. And (laughs) you do. They're phenomenal women. They can explain this a whole lot better than I can. Mm -hmm. And so you you have child sexual assault. So there's like all these dynamics that surround that assault and what would silence victims in in those instances. You have assault when 
and, and, and date rape and child campus assault. And there's like, so many things that surround that as well that were found victims because even just in those two circumstances, there's almost always, almost always, the victim has to deal with the perpetrator on some level again. So whether it's child sexual assault, and which the majority of them, uh, child sexual assault, uh, the perpetrators are someone that the child knows. As a matter of fact, the majority of sexual assault is someone that the victim knows. Right. So there's always this dynamic of further contact with your perpetrator. So whether that perpetrator is someone in your family, someone that you know, someone that you're dating, someone that you met at, at, on campus, someone that you know through work, what what are, what are the dynamics of, of, of how harassment and assault are treated at your job? There's so many things that will silence a victim, okay, that just by virtue of the fact of people asking that question, just shows that they don't really appreciate all of those silences that are firmly put in place mm-hmm. by society. The, the the beginning of which is that when you've been traumatized sexually, okay, a lot of times it's just really this instinct to keep it quiet so that you can forget the trauma and, and, and survive and, 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 and move on with your life. So a lot of times victims just want to make it not have happened and they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to tell anybody about it. And then you put on top, and they want, and they need to process the trauma. And you put on top of it this expectation that somehow victims are supposed to, while they're processing all the trauma that they're going to have the wherewithal to face a society that has proven time and again that it's not sympathetic and many times aggressive against them. Mm. Well, you know. Even and and of course this is nothing new. If we look at you know Victorian sentiments of uh, of morality and also framing women as being, um, I guess this would pro- also be a kind of a, a biblical um, a, a biblical concept. Uh, this idea of women being at fault, being guilty. Yes, the temptress. Yes. At, yeah. I mean, it makes me think about um, <laughs> Hawthorne's, um, you know, the Scarlet Letter. And mm-hmm. even though, you know, that was, you know, we're dealing with uh, adultery. But the idea being in these cases where women report, there is an assumption, whether it's whether it's said or not, there's an assumption of guilt, I think, on 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 part of the uh, on the part of the woman. And. Mm-hmm. And and that of course I think is something that's felt, and it's it may be it may not even be verbalized, but I think there is an expectation or has been in previous generations that when something like this happens, you keep your mouth uh, keep your mouth shut. As a matter of fact, I was watching um, uh, what was this show? Uh, some uh, some some procedural crime uh, drama show on uh, Netflix, and there was a Native American woman. Uh, living on a reservation, and she had been sexually assaulted by, uh, I think, uh, some, some white men. And they were coming around, you know, the police were coming, they were trying to get information, and she wouldn't say anything. And then she told somebody, she says, we learned a long time ago, uh, keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. Wow. Now, I know that's a, that might seem like an isolated um, uh, incident, but... I think that probably is, is true for for a large part of uh, society. 
uh, just culturally, this idea of to to admit to it that you have been victimized, uh, that you've been assaulted, is to somehow admit that you were some some sort of a strange guilt, like as if you had power. I mean, because if you had power to stop it from happening, happening, then obviously it wouldn't have happened. But there's a there's there's a guilt I think that has been thrust upon um, victims of uh, sexual assault. There's always a level, there's almost always a level of culpability with the majority of uh, uh, victims of sexual assault. They're, they're, society loves to blame the victim somehow. And with women, I'm just going to like uh, focus on women for a second. Sure. I, and I do want to kind of focus on men. Mm-hmm. as well, because I think that that is sorely underappreciated and, and there's not enough spoken about it. But with women, you know, from the time that you can kind of certain things, there is a level of culpability that your womanhood has in making you vulnerable to the sexual advances of men. And you learn that very, very early on. And so just even down, so a lot of times, female victims, there are all the same questions. You'll see all the same questions that come out. Well, why was she there? What was she wearing? What did she do? Did she touch him this way? Did she smile that way? What was it about? There had to be something that she did that made him want to do this to her, okay? Right. And even in Muslim culture, which is extremely tragic, because it's so anti-ethical to go to beach. Uh, uh, teaches there's this whole notion that you're you're culpable as a wife because you've decided to share your life with someone. You've given up your humanity and your autonomy, and if you are not accessible to your male spouse 24 hours a day, seven days a week, then it's your fault mm-hmm. if he decides to, to force himself on you because you didn't make yourself accessible like you were supposed to do. So there's always like these, these these different levels and nuances of culpability when it comes to the female body. With the male body, you know, again, that's not something that I've not studied as nearly as much, and that's my fault. And I think that we need to look at it more because, time and again, male victims are left not without the uh, the same amount of of advocacy and support that they need to have. You know, I just read an article about harassment mm-hmm. in the workplace and a large percentage of sexual harassment happens to male workers the, uh, really? male bosses sexually harass them yeah they do certain things they, they they talk to a certain way they tell them the same jokes and everything like that they're not necessarily comfortable with it they will touch them in certain ways that they're not necessarily comfortable with as well so there is a large percentage and um, the actor oh my god and I love him he, he played the father on the Chris Rock show, Terry something. Terry Crews. He came out. Yep. Terry Crews. He came out yeah. and talked about yeah, being testified in front of Congress. Mm-hmm. As yeah. well. So it's just like, you know, you have male child sexual assault. You have male sexual harassment victims in the workplace and on colleges and stuff. They just had this big thing with um, a, I believe, a producer, a college professor out here in New York. Can't remember the college, so I'm not going to say it because I don't want it to be wrong. <laughs> All <laughs> right, right. <laughs> she is sexually assaulted. She sexually assaulted a feminist. Okay, sexually assaulted her intern. 
okay? Her son is, so it's just like, it's things that happen to, to men as well. And it's just not, it's just not something that's highlighted nearly as much as it should be highlighted. But it's just like, there's always this culpability to the victim. Somehow yeah. the victim is to blame. Even just by virtue of their very presence. Why were you there at that time? You know, so there's always that culpability. Yeah. You know, and, and when it comes to, um, when it comes to men who have been abused, I think we, I guess it's common to think about the, I shouldn't say common, but the first thing that comes to mind for, for me, uh, would be the Catholic church. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, like I think it was, uh, for Pennsylvania, it was, a uh, uh, those are stories that a Catholic, uh, Catholic priest, they abused a thousand children. Uh, I think over like a 70 year period and uh, it, it might've been 70 years. Was it 70? Yeah. It was like 70 years uh, involved like 300 priests and they used their influence, you know, their, their power to, um, uh, to basically get the children, you know, these are boys and girls to get them to, uh, to not report their abuse. And uh, they also, uh, they interfered, not just they interfered, but yeah, they, they interfered. They got law enforcement not to investigate it. So that's just in one state. But we know how widespread a problem this has been. And when you think about something like why I didn't report to ask those, these are children when this happened to them. For them to go, undergo this type of trauma, you know, boys and girls who grow up later on with this unresolved trauma. And not knowing how that manifests, right? Some never get the, to the point where they're able to, uh, to, to, to really accept what has happened, uh, happened and talk about uh-huh. it. But, but for others, it, it takes them in a completely uh, different direction. It just makes me think about this idea of hurt people hurting people. Uh-huh. Um, now I know that's a that's an entirely different conversation. You know how abusers are formed, um, but yeah, but just the the main thrust that, that I'm I'm really thinking about here is that we've seen examples of 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 sexual assault uh, of it taking place and and people not coming forward. You know for years and year, decades. Uh, and, uh, and, and the, mm-hmm. the Catholic church, I think that's just a, a prime example of how that works. And, and, and people aren't, I think people are sympathetic, but I think people are also, there's always going to be people who are resentful of somebody destroying, uh, destroying their dream. Um, mm-hmm. you know, cause I thought things were like this and you're coming along and you're, making these, uh, uh, these allegations, you know, you're accusing this person that's highly respected in the community, uh, of, you know, of, of a heinous crime that we just can't imagine. So we're going to hate you for it, mm-hmm. which, which really mm-hmm. is a weakness, I think, on the part of people, um, in general. You mean like societal denial? Yeah, absolutely. Because if you, if you admit to it, then uh, a lot of things have got to change. First of all, you 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 have to become disillusioned and face the reality. I think that's what keeps it silent in a lot of families. Yeah. You know, uh, I, one study said that somewhere around thirty four percent 
of sexual abuse cases, sexual abuse happens among family members, okay? Mm-hmm. And this includes siblings as well, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, siblings assaulting their, their siblings. And so a lot of it has to do with silence because uh, silencing the victim and resenting the victim if the victim dares to say anything. And so victims continue to suffer because things do have to change. And, and, and society has shown overall, whether it's familial or institutional, uh, that uh, it is not really prepared to deal with giving perpetrators real consequences because there's so many of them. So it's like this vicious cycle. That, that occurs where you silence victims and, and, you, and you vilify victims. And so perpetrators only learn that they can just get more victims. Mm-hmm. And they learn how to make sure that those victims never talk or anything like that. I remember I saw on um, Facebook, you know, I just actually saw a post where someone said, you know, well, yeah, teenage boy, because when Kav- the first accuser said that it happened when, when Kavanaugh was 17. Mm-hmm. So this person wrote that, you know, teenage boys, yeah, they're making mistakes and everything like that, but they're not raping people. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And, and one study showed that 15% of sexual abuse perpetrators are under the age of 18 Hmm. years old. 15%. And so we were constantly like kind of turning blinders to the victimization that's going on. And if you continue to do that, first of all, like you said, if the victim is young, mm-hmm. okay, that that victim potentially comes can potentially become a perpetrator themselves. Okay. But also the perpetrator continues. It doesn't stop. And so then you have more victims and more victims and more victims. Right. And I, I still remember, like, there was this one uh, Muslim man, I won't name his name, he went from Muslim community to Muslim community to Muslim community, victimizing children, okay? And what was, what made, the main thing that made him able to do that is that everyone was silent about it. No one wanted to say anything about what the brother did. Or anything. So all you had to do is just go to another community, because it's not like anyone was going to follow up and say, you know, look out for this person, because this this person is is rapacious and has been assaulting children. Mm-hmm. And so you went from community to community to community with the ability to do that, you know. Um, and and time and again, and and that that's the thing. Like everyone's shocked. It's not that this has not been happening for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's just that now people aren't silent about it. Yeah, someone is coming forward, and someone's saying this is what's going on, and this is what's happening to me, and that's empowering other people to say this is what happened to me. And so everyone wants to act like they're, sh- they're shocked that this is going on, but it's been going on. Yeah, absolutely, it's been going on. It's it's going on inside Muslim communities, outside Muslim communities, and as long as we stay. As long as we keep on trying to to foster and uphold that silence and those delusions that you know um, women don't rape men and uh, you know a teenage boy they're little boys they're fourteen years old they can't they can't uh, sexually assault anyone as long as we hold on to those things or as long as we hold on to you know we have to keep the family name so don't mention the fact 
okay that your uncle did that to you or that your that your ten year old cousin did that to you or that your brother did that to you or the the, the the Quran teacher did that to you. You know, as long as we keep that silence, the only thing that's gonna happen is gonna cause more and more victims. And and perpetrators just go without any kind of uh, uh, uh consequences. And that's that's one thing that's extremely sickening when we hear, well what about his future? Mm-hmm. What about time and again you hear that? What about his future? Well, he was just this old, and should his future be destroyed because uh, he did this? Yeah, yeah, it should. You know, there's a there is a there is another <laughs> element. There's another layer to that um, to that argument, and it is one. Um, there are plenty of layers, but the one that I'm going to pick up is there's a racial uh, layer. To that and there that is not an excuse that's not an argument that is made for young black and brown men uh young men when it comes to them um transgressing getting caught up in whatever the situation may be at 16 or 17 years old because we know the history that that we have here in the united states uh as 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 recently i think it was i'm gonna get the date i'm gonna get the date uh but there was a there was a thirteen or fourteen year old I think that was that was executed, right? It, so there there was not th- th- these arguments about and as a matter of fact, not just a thirteen or fourteen year old that was executed, but our prisons, right? If we look at the number of yeah, they ele- juveniles, they, ele- they had to they had to stack him up. Yes, because he was so little. Yes. Okay, yes. I forgot his name, but I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it before about. we before before we finish. But the, the whole point being is that right now our criminal justice system um, is more than content to continue to imprison our minors. Uh, and, and then once they hit 21 uh, or 18, move them on. Yeah, 18, move them on to adult incarceration and wow. paying no attention to their age when they made whatever mistake uh, that they made. But now in this uh-huh. case, we, we're having we're having conversations about, well, he's only 17. How, is that supposed to really follow him? Well, you know what? Is he 17, but he's the right kind of 17. You know what? Let's let's hang uh-huh. on. Let's hang on one second. We're gonna take a short break and we'll be back in a minute. We'll be back in a minute. This is Radio Slam on WCEV 1450 AM. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck for Dave 2037 so he can buy anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. What are you getting Steve 2037? Steve 2037 will be just fine. Well, okay, but don't expect to borrow my anti-gravity boots. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen. We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. You can keep up with us on social media and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at by looking for us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. Okay, we are back. We are back. So, um, do you want to pick up on that last comment I made? <laughs> Okay. Well, it was it was George Stinney. Actually. George Stinney. <laughs> okay. George Stinney, and he was wrongfully convicted. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. And, and, and you also have um. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Remember the casket he had? He was so badly beaten. 
Emmett Till. Emmett Till. Yeah. Emmett Till, okay. And uh, so he was also falsely accused. Yeah. You know, so you definitely do have this 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 readiness on a societal level, on an institutional level, in the criminal justice system to criminalize uh, uh, black boys for whatever reason, okay? I don't know if it's necessarily something that translates into uh, a blanket criminalization because I think it very I think the the rape of the victim also comes into play. It's not like you know, good point to throw a little very uh, good black point. boys in jail because they're raping black girls, mm-hmm. you know. But also I think on the the social level, you know, black girls and black women are told to, to keep silent even more so. Uh, uh, when it comes to sexual assault. You know, they're highly silenced by their family and community members because of this whole idea of not only protecting, you know, the the, the male perpetrator in general, but also this whole idea is like you don't call the police on them. You don't call the police on a black man. Right. So when uh, a black man rapes you, you know, you're, you're trying not to call the police at all. You know, and so the, the, the victimization kind of continues from there as well. So I think that, you know, yeah, it, 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 if there's an excuse to jail a black man or a black boy, you know, by and large, society has shown that it's ready to do that, even when it comes to sexual assault. But privileged white males? No. <laughs> because there's still something viable and something productive and something valued, even over the the the, dam- the the emotional and psychological damage and physical damage that they cause because they've decided they have access to any female body that they want and so it does definitely become about oh, he has a he has a bright future ahead of him why should we damage that because he's done this she'll be okay she'll survive it now the victims have long term consequences I mean even uh uh. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh's victims, they're in their 50s. You know what? They're in their 50s, and they're recalling what happened to them. Let me, let me read this tweet, why I didn't report. We talk about long, long-term effects. When I was 17, during the summer after I graduated high school, I was supposed to be on a date and ended up, the guy took me to a house and five guys raped me. I am 72 years old now. And this is the first time I have ever spoken up. I've been too ashamed to report. You talk mm-hmm. about long-term effects. 72 years old. Many victims of sexual assault have a license. I mean, Many what are them. people not what are people not getting? I don't think they don't get it. I think they just don't value it. They don't value it. It's not, by and large, it doesn't mean that much. You know, uh, 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 the damage that happens to uh, one person's body by another person, depending on who that person is, ends up not meaning that much. I mean, when you talk about, uh, you're talking about the Catholic Church, you know, Corey Haynes, uh, he was a big star in the the 80s. He did a lot of, uh, he came out and he talked about how he was victimized in Hollywood, okay, by 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 producers and directors and everything like that, 
like this long train of victimization of young children in Hollywood. Okay, and so it's like that didn't get nearly as much as much attention as as the Me Too movement, but it was something that existed and something that continues to exist. And more and more uh, adult actors are coming out saying, "This happened to me when I was a kid. This happened to me when I was a kid in Hollywood. This happened to me when I was a kid in Hollywood." Because by and large, their 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 abusers are valued more than they are. I mean, if you have someone like Roman Polanski still making films. He right. raped a teenager. Mm-hmm. He raped a teenager, and he still gets gets awards and and and, and he makes films. And, and and he didn't spend any time in jail at all. He didn't spend any time in jail at all. And so it's like he values more than what he's done to his victim. He's valuable what he's done to his victim. Brett Kavanaugh is valued more. When he was 17 years old, what he could become was something that society valued more. If they didn't, he probably would have ended up in jail. If she said anything, probably would have ended up in jail. But, you know, if, if she said something and he's the, if he's the person of privilege, mm-hmm. okay, not, not by and large society is shown, we're going to shut you up, we're going to silence you, we're going to vilify you, and he's going to get to just live his life. And you, now you have this life sentence. Here you go. Here you go. Let me just hand, let's just hand that to you. You're going to have to think about this. You're going to have to think about what he did to you. It's going to affect your relationships through your life, okay? And that's because society values what he could have become or what he has become over the terrible thing that he did. Do you think it's and both? And he was allowed to do it over and over again. Do you think? Do you think it's both? It's not just the fact that they value his potential, what he could become, but it's also that there's no value placed in in women in in general. I think that women in general are seen as uh, 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 the property of men. Mm-hmm. Okay, and something for the for men to utilize and use, okay? And even in this society, even this in American society where women are supposed to be so liberated and everything like that, just by virtue of the fact that we have to have a march year after year shows that we're not that, yeah, not that much. Uh, just by virtue of the fact that we have a hashtag Me Too shows, yeah, not as much as you would like to think. So is that when you're talking about a male mm-hmm. versus a female, there's definitely like this whole idea that ultimately that body was something for him to use. And in very, in, in very few cases, is it something where it's just like that's not the case. So incest, yeah. Um, if you are a, if it's a child, okay, and again, it depends on the age of the child, okay, because there are plenty of 10, 12, 13, 14-year-olds that have been vilified because they've been raped. And so maybe they may decide, oh, well, you know, this is a horrible person for doing that to that child. But the older that female body gets, Mm -hmm. the less and less sympathy that person is going to get for being sexually harassed, sexually assaulted, okay? It is something that consistently happens. A, A woman, a young girl going outside, a woman going outside, stepping outside of her door is vulnerable daily to multiple levels of 
sexual harassment and sexual assault. You never know what you're going to get. You can get on. You can you can decide. Okay, well, I'm going to get on the train, and some guy decides to do A, B, C, T, O. Mm-hmm. And then you have to still go to work. You still have to do everything else that you're doing. And, and, or you have to report this person to the police. And now you have to explain the trauma that happened to you that you're still processing. People mm-hmm. don't really appreciate what happens when sexual trauma does, does occur. Like, you don't ask, like, if someone's, if a person has their arm cut off, mm-hmm. okay, are you going to ask them, well, what did you, what were you wearing to have your arm cut off? Right. Okay, what were you wearing at the time? What were you doing at the time? You know, no, you want to take care of the trauma that's happening, and you want to say, you, you, and that's what you focus on. But because of the way society processes sexual assault and sexual abuse, that doesn't happen. Time and again, it's, it's not about the pain of the victim. Time and again, it's like, well, why did this person do this? Why did that person do that? And you consistently question the victim. Because ultimately, especially if it's a male, mm-hmm. okay, I think they're really ready, always ready to kind of vilify female assaulters, but that's a whole other thing. Especially if it's a male, I think that they really want to get him off as much as possible. So it turns into an OSHA investigation, basically. Um, there's a building project and an accident happens. Then the first thing they come out and they want to make sure we well, are in your safety vest did you were you tied off did you have on proper shoes and proper gloves uh and it's not about taking care of the the individual that was injured it's about mm-hmm. what did what what could you have done to have staved off this uh this incident and which that's, is yeah now that's an interesting point what can a victim, and that's one thing that society asks, and I just went through this whole thing with uh, some Muslim women, all right, mm-hmm. and men. Uh, what can you do to secure yourself from being sexually harassed and sexually assaulted? What can victims do to secure themselves from sexual harassment and sexual assault? You want to know what the answer is? What? Nothing. That's right. <laughs> Nothing. Because it's not about them. It's about their assaulter. I, I was a one Muslim woman uh, said, you know, went with the, uh, 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 Ariana Grande when she was felt up by that priest at Aretha Franklin's funeral. Yeah. Uh, well, it was what she was wearing. Okay, so then what about all the women in, in, in Egypt, in Muslim countries that are assaulted? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're dressed from head to toe. Right. And they're raped, and they're assaulted, and they're harassed. Because there's nothing that you can do as a victim, because the behavior is your your assaulters, your abuse. It's their behavior, and society always flips it around. Like, what could you have done when you can't do anything because you're not in control of what your assaulter, what your abuser is going to do? Because it it's them that's doing the action. Whether it's a stranger in the street, someone that you go to the mosque with, or even your husband, mm-hmm. okay, you cannot control what that person decides to do. That person decides to violate your humanity and, and violate your personhood and violate your autonomy. That's on them. There was nothing you could do to say. Let, let me let me this add this. This I think this is I, I agree with you. Um, I agree with that that, that premise. I also know that 
when you are dealing with, when the assumption is that everyone that I'm dealing with is a human being that respects uh, life, mm-hmm. then then it could be said that the issue is it's all on, we're all responsible for ourselves. But the truth is we're not all rational human beings. We're not all people that respect um, uh, human dignity or have boundaries. Some, some amongst us are, are sick, sick individuals. And those individuals have triggers and they have varying degrees of, of, uh, I don't want to say self-control. I think for those people, it is more a matter of opportunity. And you'll find that most criminals, if we just look at it in a, in a drum, in a general sense of whether it's a thief or, you know, whatever it is, because if we look at somebody who's taking something that does not belong to them, for some, it is a matter of opportunity. Do you think, what, what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think that, um, when it comes to sexual violence, mm-hmm. that there, there, there's a big delineating factor. Cause you want to talk about the thief, mm-hmm. talk about the thief and the opportunity of the thief and everything like that. The thief always knows that that's wrong. Okay. I think that society has not sent the message that, sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual violence is wrong. Mm. Okay. There may be lip service here and there, but there are too many other messages that uh, people receive, especially men. Especially men. I'm not actually going to hone it in. I'm going to hone it in a little bit. I want to focus a little bit on on look for male hoods. Okay. Good, good, good. I'm going to need more inbox stuff. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to hone in on that because by and large, all right, the messaging that Muslim men receive from the time that they're very, very young in incognito mm-hmm. is that their gender gives them privileges over female bodies. I think it's society at large. I think it's all Yeah, wrong. I don't, th- I don't it's think that's specific to Muslim men. <laughs> no, it's not specific to Muslim men, but I'm just kind of like honing in on them because yeah. I want to give some examples. And so it's a very culturally specific example. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea of the degree over women and the protector maintainers has been skewed to the point where women are made to be inhuman, but not as human as the men, as, as the men are. Mm-hmm. And so you have you have questions like, oh, can you force your wife to have sex? Is there such thing as marital rape? Like, just questions that are not even consistent with what the Prophet taught mm-hmm. or what Allah taught about human beings and humanity. That just is an, an example of how much society has not, most society especially, has, has, has failed to really show and send a message and train and foster this person to the point where it's like 
you wouldn't dream of doing something like that to someone because this is another human being. Okay. So right. as a Muslim male, how could you even dream of doing something like that to another human being where you know that you have accountability accountability to Allah? And that's because it's been set up that you don't see Muslim women as totally human. There's something that you buy, mm -hmm. okay, because they don't, a lot of Muslim men uh, are trained to see the dowry as just that, as purchasing a bride, as opposed to part of the contract, so that if something happens, she has options open. They definitely see them, they see it as purchasing the bride, okay? And time and again, all the, the, the talks, the deliberate ones that there are about partner intimacy center the man and prioritize the man. And time and again, it's always that question of how much do I have to do to be intimate with this woman? Do I have to do anything or do I have this entitlement that I have access to her body whether or not she wants me to? Okay. Now, the answer is no, but the <laughs> messaging that they get is very, very murky. Mm -hmm. Okay? So you'll have some scholars. I remember I was at one uh, seminar, a Margaret seminar, and that question was asked. Wally Bassiuni, he was answering questions left and right, and he was giving these long, drawn-out answers, nice and detailed answers about partner intimacy and everything like that. And if someone asked, can you force your wife to have sex? He said, no. Next question. That was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Very simple. He just said, he said, that was it. There's like, no, well, this and that had been, and this and He said, no. And, but he's few and far between. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, the, just by virtue of the fact that you have a, 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 a scholars scholars, and I don't want to say who they are because I don't want anyone to lose, women to lose respect to them, that either outwardly say, basically say that yes, you can force your wife to have sex, or they do like this convoluted way of trying to say that yes, you can force your wife to have sex, even to the point where they prioritize your maleness over them being servants of Allah, female servants of Allah. Right. It's like you're not surprised so this, so the sexual assault in Muslim communities becomes something very, very vague, okay? And uh, and it's a big problem globally in the form of marital rape. But it's like when you're in a society like ours where even though you have all of this stuff going on with sexual assault and all these layers and everything like that, mm -hmm. there are some things that it's just like, you know, yeah, you can't do that. That you can't you can't force your wife to have sex with you. All right. Mm -hmm. Many people do. Many non-Muslim men do, oh, and yeah. it goes unreported and everything like that. But at least it's something that's reportable in the society. And so, when you have more and more Muslim women coming out and say, "Yeah, this is what he did to me," and lock him up, I think that that will be the main factor that changes that narrative. Because uh, Muslim men, by and large, have not have shown that they're not prepared. Many of them are not prepared to change that narrative. And why would you? Why would you if you're the one that's privileged, that's privileged from it? Mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, why would you want to change that narrative? So Muslim women definitely have to kind of, like, change that narrative. And that's the reason why so many Muslim men go after uh, organizations that are trying to promote a shift in that paradigm and that narrative, like Heart, Women and Girls, okay, which definitely teaches uh, about about your own agency and personhood. What's the name of that organization it again? It's called Heart. Heart. H-E-A-R-T. Yeah, Heart. Okay. Women and Girls. Okay. okay, it's fabulous team, fabulous team, and so it's like they they'll go after them. They'll go after uh, 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 people who uh, Muslim women, especially, who dare to say that you know Muslim women have this this this, this agency in this sexual agency and this sensual agency that they that they're able to navigate through, and they're able to say no, just like simply, and that's it. You know, they're able to say no, and, and, and just because you married them doesn't mean that they've lost that ability to say no. But the Muslim, the Muslim messaging in a lot of Muslim cultures is that they can't say no. Hmm. They can't say no. So you're going to have continued victims because they can't say no. And it never happens in a bubble. You cannot train men mm-hmm. that their wives belong to them unless you're training little boys that female, females belong to them. Okay? So those young men start to see women, not necessarily their wives, as something that is accessible to them. Okay? And then you have for for their own purposes. For their own purposes. And so Mm. you end up with more victims. Okay? And that kind of dysfunction never stays within a gender bubble. Mm. Okay? So when you have this idea, when you've taught people that they have access to bodies, okay, Mm. then it will extend. Into into same gender violence, oh sexual violence. Okay, well, and then you'll have young boys that are saying, "Well, you know, this brother touched me, or this person touched me, or this person did this, or they did that, or they did this." Because it never happens in a bubble. You can't dehumanize people and expect it to stay contained. It never stays contained. That's why we as Muslims need to honor the the fact that our Lord and Creator gave us all our humanity, all our own autonomy, and all our own accountability, mm-hmm. and stop trying to strip each other of it. Yeah. Do you are, are you surprised at the reaction from Muslims that you have you have observed with regard to uh, uh, Judge Kavanaugh's uh, responses and the and and the allegations that have been uh, made against him? Are you are you surprised at what you have seen? Uh, with regard to the why I didn't report. Do you mean among Muslim men or among Muslim women? Either one. I'm surprised with the Muslim women. I, I, really? I just okay. really, really am. I I think that a lot of a lot of Muslim women are are still grappling with resisting against a, a lot of messaging that you receive. So just like Muslim men are trained, okay, from the time they're either they're young and they can cognate or the time they take to Shahada, mm-hmm. all right, that the, these bodies are accessible to you, okay? Muslim women are trained that, too. We train our girls that, we train our girls that way, and Muslim women are trained that way, okay, that your body is accessible to, your, your, male, men have access to your body, Muslim men, especially your husband. But like I said, it never happens in a bubble. So... If there's this subjugation, okay, 
uh, wrapped in this veiled piety through submissiveness, mm-hmm. okay, then we'll definitely see where, yes, they'll definitely prioritize, you know, his masculinity over what he's done to his victims. So I, 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 I know that we're resi- there are a lot of Muslims resisting that, but it's always shocking to see how many kind of play into that as well. It's always startling to see that. And, uh, I mean, whether it was from that DJ Khaled one, I, I, stuff I heard from Muslim women, I was like, what? Are you bugging? You know? <laughs> so it was just like the uh, Ariana Grande. I'm like, what? Are you bugging? You know? And now this is like, what? Are you bugging? Like that type of thing. But it's, it's an indoctrination. It's an yeah. internalized, it, 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 that, that, that you're, that you're trained, that you're trained to kind of like, Think, think these these ways. And there's yeah, a lack always th- culpable victim. There's a lack of account- men, I'm not shocked. Yeah, but there's a lack of accountability, I think, across the board, where we mm. want to give people excuses for infringing upon another person's personhood uh or mm. or property or or anything, you know, anything that's not theirs. And we make excuses as to, well, you know, they did it because they really needed it or they really had to have it or they just couldn't help themselves. But honestly, I think that there, there are quite a few messages that are in the, in the media, whether in, whether in, in, in uh, entertainment, movies and music that mm-hmm. promote this idea of simply taking it, you know, it, when it comes, especially when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to sex and uh, some of the, some of the lyrics if you listen to some of the lyrics that are uh, that are out there that are, you know, as far as uh, date rape drugs and things like that, um, mm-hmm. it really becomes just a matter of achieving achieving your objective and consent is not required. Um, no. And that when that becomes your foundation, uh, that our interaction is really based on me getting what I want from you, whether or not you mm-hmm. give it willingly or not, uh, it's of no concern to me. It's just as long as I get what I want. And that becomes that becomes a foundation <clears throat> that becomes a foundation for relationships. And I think a lot of I think this is especially true for women. And I, I can't help but think about uh, Chris Rock stand up. And he was he was he was doing some song that was hot some at, at that time. And he was like, I can't believe women are in there dancing to this stuff. He's like, are you listening to what they're saying? And he, and he goes, well. Uh, and he, he's acting, you know, acting out the part of the woman and saying, well, he ain't talking about me. <laughs> like, no, you don't realize that what's he's talking what, about somebody. He's talking about you. Right. <laughs> right. And that's it. But but you think you think that it, that it's always someone else until that mindset is staring across, you know, is sitting across from you. And you don't realize that this is somebody who's actually taken that to heart. And I don't want to put it all on the music, right? Because some people actually look at it and it's just, it doesn't go any further. But there are a lot of young minds and impressionable minds where that becomes, that beca- you know, that's setting the building blocks for their interaction with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's no, absolutely. dangerous because stuff. There has to be that training. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, I was just saying it's, it's dangerous stuff. And I don't think we well, really realize how dangerous it is. Well, because it's about indoctrination. It's about indoctrination. The uh, uh, and it's very, very hard because when it comes to things like sexual violence, mm-hmm. okay, you have this spectrum 
Okay, on one end, it's the glorification of it, the mm-hmm. proper culture. Another, another one is about, uh, the other end is about raising awareness about it. So where do you go and what do you do? You know, and a lot of artists kind of like ride along that, whether it's in music, whether it's in uh, literature. You know, I as an author, you know, I have sexual violence in some of my books, and I, and I know there are other authors that do too. So what do you include and what don't you include? These start to become... Uh, something that you grapple with all the time because you may be feeding into that indoctrination not knowing, okay, when you're trying to raise, instead trying to raise awareness. So that always becomes uh, uh, something that you grapple with as an artist because there's this indoctrination that takes place. Now, yeah, like hip-hop is, it, it definitely promotes <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of gender violence. I'm just going to be honest about it. Yeah, but it's not the only medium that does. No, no, it's not. Film and television is very big on it, on on gender violence. That's the thing that sells. And if I could uh, interject, and alcohol, the the culture of uh, excessive drinking, which is something that's been brought up with regard to uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, in his high school years and college years, and, and people are, you know, they're asserting that he was known to, you know, uh, uh, to, to get intoxicated uh, to the point where, you know, and, and when a person is intoxicated, judgment is impaired. A lot of folks don't remember what they have done, um, but it also is used as a crutch. Uh, and I remember I remember an older brother told me this uh, some years, years ago. He said how people make excuses for when, when a, a person who is intoxicated, they say something, they'll try to tell you later on after they sobered up. Oh, I didn't mean it. I was just drunk. He says, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. He says, a drunk man's words, a sober man's thoughts. So mm-hmm. alcohol is not, the lips. yeah, it, yeah. It's not, it's not an excuse. If a person does something because they've been, you know, if, they commit some some crime they commit in, in specifically in this case they commit uh, an act of sexual uh, violence then it is something I'm not you, know, you don't get a pass just because you know you had too many to drink you don't get a pass for that it's pl- no you don't well if you mm-hmm. if I if I drank too much yeah and I got in a car and I hit someone mm-hmm. I'm held accountable for it Absolutely. Okay. If I am a bus driver and I drink too much and I my and I have a bus full of kids and I hit a pole and, and kids get injured and they die and everything, I'm held accountable. Again, it's about protecting the perpetrator. So I, it's like, well, his sense of judgment was lapsed. Um, you know, and you know a lot what, of times used as a tool against the victim. So. We're we are we are definitely going to. I'm just looking up. Um, we have come okay. to the close of the. <laughs> we have really come to the close. Well, so, we're still there. <laughs> so uh, as always, I appreciate you, uh, and I'm looking forward to our next conversation. So, uh, inshallah, uh, inshallah, look, looking forward to it. We have come to the end. We thank our engineers over at WCEV. I'm your host and producer. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. The views expressed by the host and or guests do not necessarily represent the position of Sound Vision. And we leave you now as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.